the Modern Black Man Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Modern Black Man. This week, we're going to be discussing a really important and significant topic. We're going to talk about career management. I have a guest who has done everything in an entire career, uh, starting at the grassroots and working him way his way to the pinnacle of his chosen career. I think he's a very valuable resource, uh, Mr. Redford Salmon. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you very much for having me. Um, this is, as you stated, a very important topic, and I look forward to having the discussion. I just really want to kind of lay out um, career management uh, as something that we all could benefit from, uh, just being able to get the information and, and run with it. Um, you know, I, I don't think I've ever asked you this, but I, I'm really curious. What was your first job? <laughs> That's actually my first job, like everybody else coming up, was I had a paper route, you know? Okay, okay. Going door to door, having papers, and then I moved from being a paper boy to actually handing out um, little flyers at this little um, store that opened up not too far from the house. So the guy would, um, wouldn't pay me real money, but he would do a couple of things. He would give me free sandwiches and then, you know, a couple bucks here and there. And I had to prove that I, um, put the little flyers in people's mailboxes, put in the car. So before he paid me, he would drive around just to make sure that his stuff wasn't thrown in the trash. So that was really my first, those were my real first jobs. Um, you know, you shovel snow just to make money. You cut people's grass, those things. Um, I did that when I was younger, but as you got into a real job, my, my wait, fast food, fast mm -hmm. food. Did you no, ever do fast no. food? I did not work in fast food. I'm one of the few individuals that did not hit their career, um, with fast food. I actually started in a supermarket. Okay. I worked for a supermarket in New York called Wall um, uh, Wall Balance. Okay. You know, I hated working at the supermarket. I was wow. that was the worst. I was a a bagger. I was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody wants their the the stuff bagged differently, right? That's it's true. Not just not squishing it. It's you know I want I want this with this, and nothing ever made sense. It wasn't like people just wanted their meat in one bag. Um, I was 15, maybe 16. It, 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 no, it didn't work for me. I had, I, had to, I had to do something else. Well, I think even if you think about just a bagger, a bagger is a science. And so if you take the art of bagging groceries, you use that for your career because you have to organize your life and organize people's groceries. Because if you think about uh, someone's pantry or someone's cabinet that they put food in, they want their bags to be bagged in that way. And everybody kind of organizes their kitchen very differently. For the most part, you know, you put the things that's going to be in the refrigerator. That's usually the same thing. So you're going to put your juice, your milks, you're going to put that in the bag. But guess what? You can't put um, a gallon milk with some um, potato chips or some eggs or some cheese. You can't do that. So right. while you were probably bagging groceries you're just like listen 
I don't really like this. This is something that's going to give me a little paycheck. I'm just going to throw this in this bag. But you probably made it a little more difficult than what it needs to. And if people use those simple things right, in organizing their career, it would be absolutely essential. Because, it's, it's again, it's structure. And everybody needs structure. In order for you to be successful, you have to have structure, discipline, and, and self-control. Well, let's talk about uh, organization for a career. Uh, let's start with the structure, um, how we can embrace that with discipline and what it looks like exercising self-control and developing a career. Well, before I even get into that, let me just tell you a little story. I okay. think that my coming up um, was based on, I would, say, I would say, a sense of lazy ambitions. Okay. <laughs> so here's my story. Um, I don't know if you remember a, a show sitcom called Growing Pains. Alan Thick, right? Mike. Um, I don't know the characters at, at this particular time. It escapes me. But the point that I'm making is it was a family where the father worked downstairs in the basement as um, a psychologist, similar to the Huxtables, the Cosby show. You know, he worked downstairs as a doctor. And I had this false ambition to say, man, I want to do that. I, <laughs> I want to take a shower, wake up, brush my teeth and go downstairs and go to work. I want to be a psychologist. I want to, you know, so I, I modeled my career after growing pains, not realizing how hard it was to become a psychologist or a psychiatrist in today's society. It is hard work. So that discipline, that self-control, meaning that you have to be better than the people. I didn't learn the self-control and that self-discipline until much longer uh, further in my career. And I'm just any young person listening today, but you have to open your books. You got to do your assignment. You got to do your homework and you have to put in 110% effort into your studies. That is absolutely important. And you have to push yourself when you don't want to do it because that's what makes it in today's society. Absolutely. So, when you were confronted with the realities and the difficulties of, of getting to your career goal, uh, what was your first transition? I mean, uh, I, I'm sure that when you were uh, in your educational days, there was some kind of crossroad or some kind of event that signaled you um, or guided you to the next step, right? So, well... I'm going to answer this as not to not to belittle or not even focus on education mm-hmm. at this moment. But for me, things became, was very easy in school. Right. And so when I walked into a classroom, I was kind of my mom, you know, and for those that don't know, I was adopted. And so I lived in a, a house of, you know, two other uh, adopted siblings. Right. Mm-hmm. And so my sister, the oldest one out of the three of us, she was like book smart. She would come home, get the books, you know, do her homework. My middle sister, she was the partier. And me, I was just there. 
you know, mm. um, I went to class, right? They said, okay, we have a test. We have a pop quiz. Everybody's fretting like, oh, my God, why are we doing this? Uh, open and look at the exam. Boom, 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 boom. Dun, 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 right, whatever. Next day, 80, 85, right, without trying. Right. And, and the bottom line is because I had an outstanding memory, right? So anything that the teacher wrote on the board, I would memorize it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't necessarily put the effort in in terms of getting this high scholastic um, achievement. So I didn't apply myself because I didn't have to. Even with just going by something that I loved was gym. I looked forward. I remember my gym period. In high school, it was second period, right? I loved gym, right? But I knew that if I was going to make a jump shot, right, I had I had a certain technique in terms of back in the day when I was going to shoot a jump shot. And if I wasn't set the way I needed to be set, I wasn't going to make it. But again, there was no there was no trying. So even thinking about just the basketball team, everybody was like, "You're good, you're good. Just just go try." Nah, I'm all right. Nah. You know, and I got cut. Mm. I didn't make the team. And like I was absolutely devastated. I sat because I walked out, you know, because uh, I kept missing free throws, right? And so the coach sat everybody down. He started picking people, picking people. And I was one of the last ones not to get picked. I think my audio dropped. You still with me? That was the changing point for me to say I'm not going to focus on my ability. I'm going to focus on more than that so that next summer you saw me really not focusing on sports focusing on books and i started sitting down in the kitchen table next to my sister because i realized how important effort is without effort and discipline you're not going to make it and that was really the transition for me and so when I got to college, you know, um, I started making that effort and started deciding what I wanted to do with my life. So you got serious on the back end. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't so much um, you were one of those kids that built an entire high school career so you could land at a college um, and execute. You... Uh, you got to the big stage and from there you kind of chased your ambition, right? Yeah. So, I mean, when, when you were under your college career, uh, what was the goal? Uh, it was to get out and it was to change the world. Was it to just get a paycheck? No, it was, it was not, not necessarily any of those types of things. I know, for myself, um, I fell into education after I graduated from uh, college. I went to business school because I knew I was going to be a millionaire and uh, get an Escalade and, 
you know, just just make all the money that was out there hustling. But <laughs> I, I, I just fell into education. I really liked working with uh, young people and just kind of relating and understanding that whole journey because I remember what it was like when I was in school, just uh, being able to make it academically without having to put all that effort out and how bothered uh, a lot of kids are by school. Like, it really is a big deal. Like, that's the worst part of their day. And I was never one of those kids that said I hated school. I didn't understand that. Uh, I never understood that when people said they hated school or they were tired of school. Like, it just didn't make sense to me. Well, I, I, I was one of those people that said that because school was boring to me. School didn't allow me to utilize the gifts that I had and the talents that I had. Everything was regimented in school. And so teachers taught for a taught to a particular test they taught to whatever the curriculum that they had and they they didn't deviate at all and so school was relatively boring for me based on the gifts that I had based on the skill set it did not work for me and my thing is back in the day and you know you and I grew up in probably completely different areas so teachers probably did different things but, sure. my, but my classes were relatively boring. Teachers would hand out um, a worksheet. Here you go. May, maybe put one or two problems on the board and say, do this. Then they would say, hey, after a couple minutes, who wants to go over this example? Who wants to do number two? Like, are you kidding me? That doesn't stimulate me. You know, I'm a type of person that's looking around the room. I'm drawing something, you know, I'm writing um, something that I'm thinking about because again, where I, where I grew up or how I grew up and most, you know, African-American kids that come up in a poor environment, they're thinking about leaving that environment in two ways, right? It is through music or through sports mm -hmm. and teachers. I don't necessarily, when I grew up, didn't necessarily underst understand that. So I think that they're, lectures were pretty boring so it did not allow the creative person to really expound on their gifts and that's why people probably said school is different now if you think about school they have the ability to use technology they have the ability to do use music in their their lectures they're doing a lot more to stimulate individuals but back in the day when I was growing up that didn't happen and I was one of those individuals that did not like school I went to school because guess what mom told me I had to and right. you know it wasn't because I wanted to if I had my, my druthers I probably would not have gone to school so that probably affected your chosen career path I mean while while you know at that age, you probably wanted to do something that fell in line, like you said, with your passions um, and then getting to college, kind of seeing through a new perspective. Did you go through any kind of experience like that when you got well, to that well, next I, level? Well, I thought that I was going to go to the NFL. You know, that, right. that's really where I had that ability. But again, I did not have the discipline to really push it because um, – I went to I went to my first college and I don't think I've really opened up to let people know my whole entire story. But when I went to college, I had a plan. I had a 
you know, that was um, way after talking to my sister. She went to the military and she was like, hey, you got to get out of here. You know, you got to go to school. So, you know, I gave some effort my last year. Right. And obviously mm-hmm. I graduated, but I could have done more. I could have really um, done well in school where I received actual scholarships because I was that gifted. I was that intelligent, but I didn't believe that was the route. So I was just like, listen, you know, um, I was trying to get some offers for basketball, things of that nature and did not. I didn't play high school football. Right. Um, the school, mm. the school, the school that had football was in probably the worst area um, in it was Andrew Jackson, you know, um, and my mom didn't want me to go to that school. So I didn't go there. They, they had a, a football team, so I didn't go there. So I went to a technical high school. Edison High School, and I, I did okay. You know, didn't really want to do any of the stuff that went there. I didn't, you know, it was a vocational school. I didn't want to be an auto mechanic. I didn't want to do any of that stuff. Um, so I took uh, computer engineering. That that didn't meet my fancy, you know. So then I changed my um, my schooling to uh, to to healthcare, right? So I did some internships at the local nursing home and I was working with people and there was a transition. But once I got to college, it was just like, listen, I'm going to play basketball, right? That's what I really want. And I wanted to make up for not making the basketball team because I was demoralized, even though I tried and I practiced in the summer, I never went back out for the team. I started playing basketball in the park and I was killing people. So I was like, listen, I'm going to do this the the non-traditional way. That was my thought process as a seven. He was like going to be an N1 crossover type. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, you know. So we're out, <laughs> we're out and, and me and my, my, my friends, well, we would go to um, this up the road where there was a bunch of Catholic schools, right? And, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm sorry, I'm about to say this on a podcast, but the whole purpose of us going there was twofold. One, we were attempting to take people out of their money and two, meet girls, right? right? Because most of the good-looking girls, you know, they went to Catholic school. You know, they were good girls, right? And so mm-hmm. good girls like bad boys. So, exactly. And then the 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 boys that were in their shirts and ties or whatever, you know, they think they can play basketball, but you can't play basketball because we from the hood. Like, listen, we play in the freezing cold. We're out there in the park. We cut school and we going to play. We going to the park any type of half a day or whatever the case may be. We going to the park. So listen, serious crossover, always quick. You know, we getting, we're getting money, right? So Fish to go- my loo. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we we are absolutely going up there. Like, listen, yo, you you got you got forty on this game, three on three. Let's do it, right? Fifty bucks, sixty bucks, you know. And that's how we used to do it, make make money. So mm-hmm. you know, that's how that's what we paid for things. We didn't have a job, you know. When we finally got a job, fine. We still doing that. That was our side hustle. And the things growing up, you always have a little side hustle. So thinking about your career, even though that you may have your main career, you always have to have a side craft that you can still continue to make sure that you have um, income coming in. So, you know, that's why some people drive Uber and do some other things, you know, do some 
you know, maybe fixing uh, a wall or doing some electrical, you know, always something different than your, your, your main craft. So going back to the initial thing, I wanted to play basketball. So when I went to college, my plan was I'm going to go to a school, right? I'm going to get some tape. I'm going to get some footage. I'm going to make this team, get some footage, and then I'm going to go to Syracuse University, right? The school that I went to was called Casanova College, which was in Casanova, New York, 20 minutes from Syracuse University. That was the plan. <laughs> that plan, obviously, I didn't go to Syracuse University. I played basketball at Casanova, got some tape. But again, your environment of what you saw back in your neighborhood became a reality in college. I started doing the same things that I mm. saw people doing in my neighborhood, you know, and you know what that is. Right. You know? So I don't have to necessarily say that mm -hmm. um, on this podcast, but that's really what it was. So I ended up um, getting um, the boot. You know, they mm -hmm. told me that um, my college career was over. So I had to pick up again. You know, that's where those failures come in. How do you recover from a failure? I made right. a poor choice, you right. know. Um, and so because, again, think about it. As a college basketball player, you, you're in school, right? Mm -hmm. So you go to school from, let's just say, 8 o'clock to 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 3.30, whatever the case may be, right? Then you have practice, right? Mm -hmm. Where are you paying for food? Right. right. Because again, you're tired. Right. So yes, you have, you're on the meal plan where you get breakfast, you get lunch and you get dinner, but a growing 18, 19 year old, you know, you're going to eat at seven o'clock. You know, you're going to eat at eight o'clock, nine mm -hmm. o'clock on the weekends. So right. where are you going to get your funds from? Right. If Personally. all of your time, if all of your time is spent on the basketball court or on the football field, and I think that is wrong with today's society. They don't necessarily recognize that. I didn't come from a family that had was had the ability to send me money weekly, daily, you know, whatever the case may be. So you have to find money, you know, other ways. And that and so granted, I'm not justifying my actions sure. by any means, but that's just the reality of it. And I just think that in today's society, they do have to change because, no, I didn't go to a, a major D1 school that their sports teams uh, pay a significant dividends for that school. Uh, I went to a D3 school. And if I'm spending that much time at practice, just imagine what happens at a D1 school when right. they're traveling and all those things. And I was traveling and we were practicing all kinds of stuff. So. You know, that was part of the choice that I made. But that failure, you know, helped me become who I was or who right. I am now. So from Casanova, I don't think you were eyeing Ithaca or Utica. I think that you still wanted to make it happen uh, on, a, on the big stage at Syracuse. But you probably assessed your options and you found a home and you finished your education. That I did. And I'm, and I'm glad that you brought up uh, Utica, right? Um, Utica and Ithaca, we actually played them. And their setup is so amazing. And the atmosphere for basketball, it's almost like it's a D1 atmosphere. They have like a, a huge facility, you know? And so just think about those types of things and think about where those schools are. They're in upstate New York, right? right. 
you know, and I don't have to go any further in terms of what I mean in terms of the, the diversity and right. the, the economic um, advantage at those schools compared to where I went or where I'm from. So I did finish school. I left um, Casanova College, you know, not because of my own choice. Then I had somebody that helped me out and said, hey, you know, why don't you go to, you know, a two-year school just to make sure school is right for you, right? Mm. So I transferred to the school called Mount Ida College uh, in Massachusetts because one of my um, neighborhood friends was going there. It was a, a female that used to ride the bus with us. We were cool or whatever, and she was going there. She was a year um, behind me, you know, so she was like, you know, that's where I'm going to go. She was like, man, I look out for you. I'll make sure you don't get in any trouble, you know? So I, I went there. Um, I got my associate's degree. I, um, I actually got my associate's degree in a year because from the credits that was transferred from Casanova College, uh, I had to actually take um, 15 um, cr- uh, credit hours in a semester and then one, one um, semester I had to take 17 in order for me to get it in a year. That was work. I had that to was a lot of work. It, a lot of work. You know, and definitely got some help with doing that in terms of assignments. I didn't play any sports until my last semester. I played lacrosse. And the Mm. only reason why I played lacrosse because, you know, we had an intramurals basketball team, you know. um, I actually tried out for the basketball team there. I actually made the team, but I pulled my hamstring, you know. Um, And so I've had hamstring issues for so long. And I'm just thinking, man, maybe sports is just not right for me. But. Um, one of the intramural directors, he was like, man, you're pretty fast. You know, so I started, I played lacrosse. He was like, listen, you should um, play football. That's what you should be playing basketball. You should be playing football. And I was like, ah, scrawny, I'm a scrawny kid. He's like, no, you, you, you know, no, you'll be all right. I know a school that you can go to. I said, which one? He was like, Fitchburg State. He was like, you know, um, that's my, that's my alma mater. That's where I went. I said, okay. You know, they didn't go anywhere. So we went on a, um, he brought us up there. It was four of us on a college tour. I met the football coach and he was like, oh, are you serious? You know, I sent some material to you, blah, blah, blah. So at the time, you know, um, everybody called me Red Love, you know. Um, so that was my little nickname. So I graduated, got my little associate's degree. You know, I'm feeling high and proud and like, all right, let's look at this next chapter. I'm, I'm going to do things differently. I'm not going to get in any trouble. I'm going to focus on what I need. And I'm just going to go ahead and just get this bachelor's degree and take it from there. So I had to go for football orientation in August, right? You know, they, they had this whole rollout. They had cheerleaders. They had everything up there waiting for us. It, it was amazing. Like, oh, my God. Oh, I'm about to be a star. Like, okay. So, um football camp started all right okay you know and it was different because the individuals that were on the team from before they don't want um any like new incoming freshman or or transfer student to take their spot so they really weren't helpful at all they were not going to help you they weren't going to show you the ropes they weren't going to do anything they were going to keep their spot on your stuff you said what? They were going to keep their spot. Absolutely. And they were going to do everything that they could to do that. So, but 
that's the school that I went to and I, I played football, you know, all um, because I changed my major yet again uh, to human services. So I spent four years at Fitchburg, you mm-hmm. know, uh, so so now just think about it. I, I went to college for six years. You know, I got an associate's degree out of out of it as well as a bachelor's degree, but that's six years of loans. That's six years sure. of life, you know, and just, and I was born in October. So my, my birthday is after the, the start of the, the school year. Right. So, you know, I'm, I'm lucky I graduated at 22. So I'm still in a, a pretty decent spot, but six years, like, man, that's, that's wow. That's a long time. It really is a long time. But it's a full education. It is. Yeah. Those, those failures, though, helped me, I think, in terms of managing what I wanted to do. And once I was there, once I graduated, and or before I graduated, because uh, I changed my major to human services, and taking those psychology classes and behavioral management classes kind of helped me mold my thinking and mold my mindset in terms of who I wanted to be as an individual. I wanted to be a better person um, first and foremost. So my character began to change. You know, Mm -hmm. I started to speak differently. I started to really understand what society expected from a young African-American male. And that was through books, you know, no, no person really told me that and their perspective may have been off. I don't know. But once I took an internship, you know, and because I needed that practicum to get my degree from being in human services. And so I was also looking for a job. Um, I used to work at this uh, crisis center. It was called Luck Crisis Center. Luck stands for let us know, you know, mm. so um, I, I was a basically a residential advisor uh, at the Luck Crisis Center. And I did that. I did overnights, you know, worked three to 11, three to 12s, excuse me, you know, um, Saturday and Sunday mornings. We cooked, we cooked for the kids that were there. It was an independent living program, you know, so that were uh, kids that were in crisis. And we were basically their surrogate parents. Um, you know, they had social workers and case managers as well, but we were also there, um, internally we were in their homes with them that was their home so they were uh some of them were classified as runaways and so we had to stay them and and watch them so i was in school that was my job right and i got a better sense of just work ethic i got a better sense of just making it in life because i'm like man my life is really not that bad it could be it could be worse so once I got my internship, someone told me about Job Corps, right? And so I started my, my career on an internship. Uh, I was looking for an internship and, and not necessarily a job. And so when I, somebody told me about Job Corps, I went up there. They actually hired me. So I used the job as my internship. And that really started my career as a counselor. I was 22 years old, working with disadvantaged youth from 16 to 24 years old, which in theory, I could have been a disadvantaged youth or probably should have been titled as a disadvantaged youth. And I'm in, I'm in their age bracket, right. right? You know, trying to provide them with guidance. But because 
I finally got the self-discipline. I was able to set boundaries and set limits and not necessarily, I wasn't characterized as those, as one of them. I was characterized as someone that was able to help them and use what I went through in my life to provide them with guidance. And that's really what kind of um, turned my career on a higher plateau. And so as you uh, in alluded earlier that it did come from the grassroots because as I was elevating in the company that I worked for, I started out as a counselor and then every year and a half, two years or so, it appeared that I was being promoted because I had the thought process that I wanted to be my supervisor. Anybody that interviewed me, they would ask me what I wanted. And I would answer the question the same way every single time. I want your job. I want to know what you know, you know, and sometimes people are intimidated by that, but I didn't necessarily go to them for answers. I found the answers and I watched them. I watched, I used to carry this green notebook around and just write notes in it all the time about what I saw them do, what I saw them say, things that I liked, things that I didn't like. And I kind of molded my leadership ability based on the experiences that I went through. And that's what made me who I am. And so I basically have made companies a lot of money in terms of leading people, you know, and the, the program has a, has a significant budget, right? So I've gone as high as managing budgets, you know, in excess of $80 million, you know, that, that is significant. And when I became uh, a director, I was 31 years old, you know, and in some cases um, back then, that was pretty significant. Now you have, you know, executive CEOs that are pretty young, you know, 28, 27 now, mm-hmm. right? And so that, to me, that was extraordinary. But I, I started reading books on leadership, reading books on and management, and I started really organizing my career based on those things because I wanted to be somebody, you know? I wanted people to follow me and I wanted to make sure that they understood. And for people that know me, I love Martin Luther King, you know, because he stood out on his own based on the dream that he had, based on the vision. And he necessarily didn't back down because he wanted something. And I feel the same way. Young man trying to really do something in life. And what I'm doing now, I'm trying to really build my own um, business and become a legacy for my family and my kids, you know, my kids' kids, that they can look back and be like, right. man, referencing. You're trying to create wealth. You're not trying to you're not trying to strike it rich. You're not trying to come up with one shot. It's not get rich quick. It's establishing intergenerational wealth. That's success. Yeah, true. You you said it outstanding. I couldn't have said it better myself. And I mean you will. I mean your brand is you. Um, it, it's from your spirit. And I mean, that's, it's, it's definitely going to come to you. I mean, it, the space needs you to be present. And I mean, I, I just can't wait to see you, uh, in that new role and, uh, under that new journey. Yeah. I appreciate that. As far as someone who's, uh, following in the legacy that you've blazed, uh, you know, in, in this career path, um, I know that 
it it really resonates with me when you say that you wanted people to follow you. I know that that's in my young career been in. I I I, I don't know if I'm afraid uh, of taking on the role as uh, as a quote unquote leader, but that's that hasn't really been something that's been a trend for me up until very recently. Um, I really start to delve into the role of leader and something is really serious because I see the impact that it lies on those around you and how significant it is. Is there any advice you would give to someone who wants to hone, develop their leadership skills to be a better leader, to stand out significantly as a leader? Well, number one, I think as a leader, you want to make sure that you're not using your stage or your, your plateau for your own personal gain. That's number one. Number two, I think that you have to really be committed to the people that are around you, that knowing that they're going to need some stuff. They're not going to know it all. And you're going to have to pour into them. It's almost like a, a, a savings account, right? In order for mm-hmm. your savings account to grow, you have to deposit into it. And that leader, that mentor is exactly what it is. They're depositing all of their experience into someone to help them grow. Watering a tree, right? A tree is not going to grow unless you water it. And that leader is that water. And if you, you, you taint it, it's going to wither and die. So my, my advice to anyone that wants to lead someone is that you, you need to be authentic, right? You need to be a servant leader. You need to walk with those individuals and show them the, the, the way correctly. And I think a lot of people lose sight of the bigger picture sometimes because, you know, they have this big name or, you know, they begin to become authors and write books and, you know, they start to get this treasure. It could be, you know, a a million dollar check for, for doing a show or, you know, and they forget, they forget how they got there. So I would ask that people do not forget how they got there and begin to continue to remain and be authentic. How do you fight fatigue? <laughs> um, finding time for self. Okay. You know, um, you, you can't be a leader if you don't take care of you. And it could be something as simple as turning off the TV, going, going, reading a book, going for a walk, getting your nails done, going, getting a massage, go to the sauna, go to the spa, you know. You know, I just picked up something crazy just the other day. I did yoga. I was like, man, you should have seen the, the hot. Did you do hot? Yes, yoga? man. Oh, yeah. That was my first time. I felt so good after I did that. I'm like, man, I'm trying. I want to do that, you know, every week. Yeah. I'm still not as flexible as I need to be, but that that'll come. But I, I, I think those are the things that people have to do. They have to find time for themselves, you know. And for those that have kids, you know, sometimes that's hard to do. But maybe it's when you put your kids to bed, you know, you, you take nine o'clock or nine o'clock to 10 o'clock and do something that you like, you know, whether it's a crossword puzzle, whether it's a drawing, you find time to do that just to keep your mind fresh. Absolutely. I appreciate you taking the time out and just kind of breaking that down and just uh, having that advice and wisdom, um, you know, just thank you for your service. 
thank you for your journey and uh, thank you for taking the time out today. Hey, no problem. If there's any follow up, you know, I'll definitely look forward to um, being on and answer any questions from anybody. So absolutely. If we get um, any kind of buzz going and we need to do a follow up, uh, I'm, I'm ready for that episode. Um, I, I'm excited to get that one because we can really uh, just trend so much deeper into this because I think that you are that infinite fountain uh, of, of knowledge. Just a, just a wealth of information for any young professional on really handling various situations. I know I've seen you handle adversity. I, I, I've seen you handle, uh, you know, just a, a, a skeleton uh, of resources and, and providing abundance uh, as a leader. Um, so I know that you're definitely the resource. I appreciate that. I'm looking forward to providing as much as I can. You know, there's more to my stories, you know, some things that I've left out and some things that we haven't even touched yet. So, yeah, looking forward to it. So um, let's 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 get on another episode real soon. We'll have to work that out. And uh, we definitely uh, want to keep the discussion going. So thank you for your time. Do you have any social media uh, or anything that you uh, want to promote on your side? So, no, I don't necessarily, you know, follow. I'm not really on social media just yet. You know, I can talk about that next time why I have some issues with social media. But, you know, um, for me right now, it's just my email address, you know, and, you know, we'll put some information out the next time that we talk about in terms of the business that I'm doing. You know, we have a website, you know, we're working on some things, so I'm not necessarily ready to put those things out there yet, but we are mm-hmm. out there in the public right now handing out some flyers and we, we will get it out there. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be all right in 2019. I keep on saying 2019 is the year of Redford Salmon. 2019, this is going to be a great year. Yes, sir. Um, If you want to keep in contact, uh, anyone that's listening, uh, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Chubby Idris Elba with two Bs. Until the next episode, peace. Take care.